This is a Saddleback Church podcast. Hi, everybody. Merry Christmas. Welcome. I want to welcome all of you at all of our campuses all over the world. It is so great for you to be here with us today on Christmas Day. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being a part of this worship service. You know, I was thinking about what, what can I say on Christmas Day that we haven't already talked about in all of the other Christmas services that we've had so far this year. And I, I thought about that moment in my house, it's probably a similar moment in your house, on Christmas Day for us, for me, it usually happens about two o'clock. And it's that moment when I, I push back from the table after the big Christmas feast. And I push back from the table and I say, I am never gonna eat another bite as long as I live. You know that moment, you've been there, right? And then about six o'clock, you, you know this moment too, you, you find yourself back in the kitchen rummaging around to see maybe what you might have missed the first time. Well, as I was thinking about how do I, how do I say something about Christmas that we haven't already heard? Because in the last four weeks, we've talked about Mary, we talked about the shepherds, we've talked about the wise men, we talked about Simeon and Anna, and it occurred to me the only person we really haven't talked about in this is Joseph. And as I thought about that, I, I realized, and this happened about... <clears throat> I guess about eight years ago when I wrote my first sermon about Joseph because I, I thought in all of my years of being in church, I've never heard anybody preach a sermon just about Joseph. So I thought, okay, let's do that. I want to talk about Joseph because he's the person who seems to get the least attention in the story. In fact, he, it's almost like he just plays a, a supporting role, like a background kind of role, a bit part. When you read the story of the birth of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, you realize that Joseph never says a word. He doesn't say anything. But you don't hear Joseph. You watch Joseph. Joseph's life itself is the lesson. His, his actions speak louder than his words. We don't actually hear what he's saying. He's just... An ordinary guy, an ordinary Joe, you might say, but he teaches us some lessons just through his life. He teaches us some lessons about how, to, how an ordinary person can live an extraordinary life for God. So we're going to look at Joseph's life today because it forces us to consider a question, and it's a question that I put at the very top of your notes. Look at that question. How does God want to use you to accomplish his will in someone else's life. So there are some great lessons we can learn from Joseph that will help us to answer that question. So let's begin now in Matthew chapter one. Let's see what the Bible says. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. And he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So when we first meet Joseph, he is a broken, confused man. His fiancée is pregnant. 
and it's not his kid. So you can think of the heartache and the scandal and the shame and the sadness that Joseph is going through. And what would you do? What, how would I feel in a situation like that? I probably feel anger, heartache, confusion, betrayal. I'm sure Joseph must have just felt sick in his stomach and deeply, deeply saddened. He had heard Mary's story. He considered the evidence, and he decided that it was just too much to believe. And, and I can't blame him. I mean, I would have done the same thing. What was he supposed to do with Mary's story? It was impossible. How could he possibly believe what she was saying? And what was he going to do about it? Now, honestly, he could have had her executed. Because in that culture, in that day, an adulterous woman could be stoned to death. Or he could have divorced her publicly. He could have just dragged her through the mud, dragged her out into the streets, put on a big public spectacle about this horrible person. Now, just a quick question, why divorce if they're only engaged? It's because, again, in their culture, the engagement for marriage was a legal relationship, a binding relationship. And the only way out was through divorce. So Joseph thought he had his life all figured out. And now all he has is questions. Why did this happen to me? Who's the other guy? Who's the father of this child? Who is the man who is responsible for ruining my life? I have been betrayed and lied to by a girl that I thought I knew, and now I don't know who to believe because what she is saying doesn't make any sense. Mary is either lying or she's crazy, but she's so convinced that her story is true, and only a, a mentally unstable person would come up with a story like this, that she's somehow miraculously pregnant because of an act of God. And if that's really what's going on in Mary's life, if she's really that unstable, if she's really that delusional, then to put her through the public spectacle of a divorce and bring this all out in front of everybody's eyes would absolutely destroy her. And I, I love Mary, but I can't go on like this. So he decides he's just gonna put her away quietly and just try to get on with his life somehow. And verse 19 in that passage we just read, it says, because Joseph was a righteous man, he decided not to expose her to disgrace, but to divorce her quietly. So what does that tell us about righteous people? You see, the world tells us that, that righteous people are judgmental, they're harsh, they're mean-spirited, but that's not righteous. That's self-righteous. What we see in Joseph, what he teaches us, is that righteous people, they don't demand judgment. They don't seek revenge. They offer mercy. They're gentle. They don't drag other people's failures out into the open for the whole world to see. They're not willing to disgrace people publicly. That's what a righteous person is. And that's how Joseph behaves. Joseph's dreams for the future, whatever those dreams were, are now gone. And so he goes to bed 
restless, his mind exhausted, his body exhausted, maybe a little sleep could just sort of make these troubles go away. And he, he prays for peaceful dreams because everything else in his life right now is a nightmare. And it made me wonder, what were Joseph's dreams for his life? He was a carpenter. We know that. The Bible teaches us that. He's just scraping by a living in a little bitty town that had a reputation for really nothing at all. In fact, there was a saying in those days, can any good come out of Nazareth? And so Joseph probably did not have big dreams for his life. He probably thought, you know, I'm just going to live an ordinary life. I'm going to marry an ordinary girl. I'm going to have some ordinary kids, have an ordinary business, just live an ordinary life. I mean, is that, is that really too much to ask? But once again, as God so often did in the Bible, he interrupted the dreams of an ordinary person to accomplish his extraordinary will. So let me ask you before we move on, what are your dreams for your life? What does your future look like to you? Is it hopeful? Is it fearful? Can you even see beyond tomorrow? What, what dreams do you have for your future? And what will you do if God interrupts your dreams to accomplish his will? Let's see what Joseph did when God interrupted his plans for his future. It leads us to the first key, the first key to living an extraordinary life. You can write this down. You say yes to God in spite of the impossibility. Say yes in spite of the impossibility. You see, Mary's story was impossible. But you know that verse that we hear so often, you probably, some of you have it on the, your refrigerator door. Nothing is impossible with God. You know where that verse comes from? It comes from Mary's story. That's where it comes from. When the angel appeared to Mary and told her what was about to happen, let's look at what the text says. In Luke chapter one, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. Here it is now. For nothing is impossible with God. In other words, if God says it, his power can fulfill it, no matter how impossible it might seem. If God can create life out of the dust of the ground, simply by the word of his mouth and the power of his spirit, then he can certainly create life in the womb of a virgin, simply by the word of his mouth and the power of his spirit. And that leads me to ask a question. What seems to be impossible in your life right now? Does it seem impossible that God has a plan and a purpose for your life? Does it seem impossible that God can get you out of the trouble or the heartache or the turmoil or that he can get you through the challenge that you're facing right now? Does it seem impossible that he can get you through your loneliness or your despair 
I want you to write something down in your notes. It's the title of this sermon. Write this down. My impossibility is God's opportunity. My impossibility is God's opportunity. And Joseph was about to find out that his impossibility really was possible. Let's see what happens next. Matthew chapter one, starting at verse 20. After he had considered this, in other words, after he had considered divorcing Mary quietly, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And when Joseph woke up, everybody say woke up. Yeah, say it again, say woke up. It says when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So God spoke to Joseph, this broken-hearted, ordinary man. He spoke to him in a dream, and he gave him an assignment that changed the world. It was an assignment that would cost him dearly because he was about to get swept up into somebody else's story. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever gotten swept up into somebody else's story? You're just going about life, minding your own business, and all of a sudden you find yourself in the middle of something that you didn't start. It could be somebody else's trouble. It could be somebody else's health crisis. It could be somebody else's challenge. It could be somebody else's mission or their calling. Somebody else's impossibility. And there you find yourself, just like Joseph, in the middle of someone else's story. Well, there's a truth that I want you to write down, and it's this. The seed of a miracle is often planted in the soil of adversity. The seed of a miracle is often planted in the soil of adversity. God never promised that following his way would be easy. But it's when you find yourself in the dark and in the hard times, that's when you look and expect the miracle. It's in the impossibility that you see God's hand. If you never see the impossibility, you'll never recognize the miracle when it comes. So the angel called him Joseph, son of David. In other words, God was saying, I know your name. I know your history. I know your heritage. And now I am about to call you into your destiny. He's saying, don't be afraid, Joseph. Mary is telling the truth. I'm doing this. And you have a role to play in her life because you are going to be the guardian of the Savior of the world. In fact, you're gonna give him his name. You're gonna name him Jesus, and you are going to help me accomplish my will in Mary's life, and by doing that, you're gonna help me accomplish my will for the whole world. He's saying, Joseph, everything in history 
has led up to this moment. It's all led up to you. So Joseph, what are you going to do about it? And in the same way, God says to you, I know your name. I know your history. I know everything about you. I know your heritage. And I am calling you into your destiny. I have a plan and a purpose for your life. He is calling you into something that he wants to accomplish in the world that can only be done through your life. So what are you going to do about it? Are you going to say yes in spite of the impossibility? Like Mary, Joseph could not have imagined that this would happen. And in a sense, I think it probably took more faith on Joseph's part than it did on Mary's part. Because after, after all, Joseph is not the one who's pregnant. So Joseph doesn't have a little baby in his tummy reminding him with every kick that a miracle is unfolding. He couldn't go by his feelings. He couldn't go by logic or reason because none of this was logical or reasonable. Joseph truly had to walk by faith. And sometimes faith doesn't make sense at all. But somebody once said that the heart knows reasons that reason never knows. And faith is a heart issue. And just as Joseph had been convinced that Mary was lying, he's now even more convinced that she is telling the truth. And he realizes that in this moment, that the purpose of his life is to play a supporting role in Mary's story so that God can accomplish his will for the world. Mary carried Jesus but Joseph carried Mary. Without Joseph, Mary's mission very likely would have failed because she could not have survived as a young, unmarried, pregnant girl in her culture. She never would have gone to Bethlehem. She had no reason to go to Bethlehem. She would have most likely have been rejected by her family, rejected by her friends, she would have been alone. In fact, as we're about to see, they were rejected by their family because when they finally do go to Bethlehem, we're about to read this, why do you think they had to go to the inn? The Bible tells us that was Joseph's hometown, but nobody took them in. That's why they had to go to the inn. That's why they wound up having to sleep in a stable because they were rejected by people. But this leads to the second key in living an extraordinary life. Or write this down. Say yes to God in spite of the inconvenience. In spite of the inconvenience. You say yes because, in spite of the impossibility. Now you say yes in spite of the inconvenience. Let's look at what the Bible says next. We're looking here now in, in the book of Luke, chapter 2. It says, in those days, <clears throat> Caesar Augustus, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to his hometown to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Remember the angel said, Joseph, son of David. 
So that's why he went to Bethlehem. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, let's think about this little journey they had to make. Girls, can we talk? Mary is nine months pregnant, and now she has to go on a journey on a donkey. So I got out a map just to kind of put things into perspective. If you are in our Lake Forest campus, it's 90 miles. By the way, for all of those of you in our international campuses, that's 150 kilometers, okay? It's a long way. From the Lake Forest campus, it's 90 miles to Magic Mountain on a donkey. Let's say you're down at our uh, Rancho Capistrano campus. It's 90 miles to the Mexican border, to Tijuana. 90 miles on a donkey. If you're on our Hong Kong campus, I have no idea what's 90 miles from Hong Kong. But you get the picture. This is not an easy task that they have to go through. It's easily a six-day journey on a donkey to go these 90 miles, probably longer. So all of you moms out there, imagine. Imagine if you, when you were nine months pregnant, if your husband came to you and said, hey, babe, I got a great idea. How about a road trip? Let's go 90 miles on a donkey. What do you say? Probably not a good idea. But this was not Joseph's bright idea. This was Caesar's bright idea. Because Caesar decided that it was time for a census. He wanted to know how many people are in his realm. And here's the thing that's just, it, it, it's just stupid, okay? He decided that in order to be counted, everybody had to go home, back to the place where they were born. Now, again, perspective is everything. So think about this. Raise your hand if you were born at least 90 miles away from where you live right now. Think about it. Raise your hand if you were born 90 miles, 150 kilometers away from where you live right now. I mean, you can imagine the confusion. You can imagine the economic upheaval of all of these people who have to shut down their businesses, turn off life, and go wherever it was they were born just so they can be counted in a census. I mean, talk about stupid. Honestly, but sometimes God has to use human stupidity to accomplish his will because Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem and this was the only way to get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. He had to be born there because that's what had been prophesied in the Bible. Let's look at this verse. It's from Micah chapter five, verse two. It's in the Old Testament. It says, but you, Bethlehem, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from days of eternity. So Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem to fulfill that prophecy. So while Mary carried Jesus, Joseph carried Mary. He provided for her, he protected her, and when it came time for Mary to give birth, there was no Bethlehem General Hospital. 
There was no doctor. She didn't even have her mom there. All Mary had was Joseph, the most unlikely midwife in history. But because of Joseph, Mary was able to complete her mission. Because, listen, because Joseph did what God told him to do, Mary was able to do what God told her to do. And think about this. This blew my mind when I stopped and really thought it through. Because Joseph obeyed God, his hands were the first hands to touch Jesus. What a privilege, what an honor. Let me say it another way. Because Joseph entrusted himself into God's hands, God entrusted himself into Joseph's hands. What does God want to put in your hands if you will just say yes? Now here's the third key to living an extraordinary life. You say yes in spite of the impossibility. You say yes to God in spite of the inconvenience. Say yes to God in spite of the cost. Say yes to God in spite of the cost. Here's what the Bible says back in Matthew chapter one, verse 24. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And some of us, some of you listening to my voice, some of us need an awakening. We need to wake up to what God is doing in the world around you. In fact, why don't you just elbow the person next to you and say, wake up. Go ahead, tell them, wake up. Thank you for doing that because some of you really did need to wake up. You're sleeping in my sermon. I'll be done pretty soon here, okay? So wake up. But two more times in Matthew chapter two, we read of similar encounters where God tells Joseph to get up and do something, and Joseph immediately does what he's told. Look here, starting at verse 13. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. This is after Jesus was born. He appears to Joseph again, second time now, in a dream. And he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. And after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. So here's the third time. And he said, get up. Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and he went to the land of Israel. So imagine the cost of just picking up and leaving town. He had already done it once to go to Bethlehem. And we know that they were in Bethlehem for at least two years so it wasn't just a little six-day journey there and six days back. He walked away from everything in Nazareth, walked away from it all, and started a new life, a new business, a new home. Everything started over in Bethlehem. He walked away from all that he knew was familiar. And then he had to do it again to go to Egypt because Herod was going to try to kill Jesus. And then he had to do it again to come back to Israel. 
Verse 24 says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel commanded. In all three instances, Joseph acted on God's instruction immediately. He was consistent in his behavior, and he willingly, immediately left everything behind. Imagine the cost of doing that. In spite of that inconvenience, in spite of the impossibility, and in spite of the cost, what God said, get up and go, Joseph got up and went. And I'm challenged by Joseph's immediate obedience. I'm also challenged by his courage because he took enormous risks to do what God told him to do. And the more I think about Joseph, the more I admire him. And the more I thought about Joseph this week, I thought about, I thought about you. That's why I'm bringing this message here to you today. Does God have a role for you to play in somebody else's story? What could this look like for you? Now, does it mean that you're going to have to ride a donkey for 90 miles? Probably not. But perhaps you know of somebody who's facing a tough challenge right now, and they're alone in their struggle. And while everybody else is running away from them, they need you to walk with them. Or maybe it's someone who's being called into some kind of ministry, and they need your help to get started. They need your prayer. They need your support. They need your friendship to get started. Or it could be someone who you can see that God is working in their life, that something of the life of Christ is about to be born out of them. And they need you to be the midwife. They need you to be the helper, the support. They need you to be their Joseph. It could be your one life. You know, all this year here at Saddleback, we've talked about the one life challenge. That who is that one person in your life and you know that they don't have a relationship with God, and you've been praying that they will somehow give their life to Jesus Christ. Who is your one life? Who is that one person that needs you to walk alongside them in this season of your life and theirs to see the life of Christ born into them? Who is that person? Have you thought that perhaps that this season of your life is really not about you. That perhaps in this season of your life, it's about helping them find their way to Jesus Christ. Are you willing to be used by God to accomplish his will in their life in spite of the impossibility, in spite of the inconvenience, and in spite of the cost? Why do you think God put you in their life to begin with? What God does, he does through people. And he put your lives together because he wants to accomplish something through you that could change their life for eternity. Now, I'm not talking about an unhealthy codependence. I'm talking about looking up and out into the world around you, getting your focus off of yourself and onto what's happening around you and saying to God, God, how can I serve you? What can I do for you today that will make a difference in the world? Are you willing to say yes? So let me suggest this. Let this be your 
Christmas gift to Jesus this year. Just say yes to God. Joseph's yes changed the world. And your yes can change the world too. Let's pray about this together. Would you bow your heads and let's pray. And just pray this in your heart. As I pray, let it be your prayer. Just say, Father, I want to be like Joseph. I want to be a person that you can trust to obey you immediately. That's the kind of person you work through in the Bible. And I want to be the kind of person that you can work through today. Help me not to fear anything but you. Help me not to be selective in my obedience but just to trust you and to say yes. And Lord, as I enter this new year, may I do so with a new heart, with new ears, with new faith, with a new commitment to obey you in spite of the impossibility, in spite of the inconvenience, and in spite of the cost. Lord, I want to be a man or a woman whose story is worth writing about, just like Joseph. And there may be some of you here today, while our heads are bowed in prayer, there may be some of you here today, and God is saying to you, wake up. I'm calling you into a destiny. I'm calling you into a relationship that you've never had with me before. What will it take for you to open your heart to the possibility of Jesus? and to give your life to God. I believe that's what this moment has led to. That's why you're here today. And so in the quietness of your own heart, just pray this way as I pray. Just say these words in your own heart and mind. Just say, God, thank you for bringing me here today. Thank you for this message and this challenge that you're giving me. And I don't understand it all, but I just know that I need you, that I need Jesus in my life. I want my sins to be forgiven. I want to start a new life with you. So today, as much as I know how, with everything I have, I open my heart to you. I give my life to you. And I ask you, Jesus, to be my Savior, to forgive me of my sins and to put me on the pathway toward the calling, the purpose that God has for my life. And I pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this weekend message from Saddleback Church. If you like this, please consider leaving a rating or review for this podcast. The Saddleback Church Weekend Message Podcast is a part of the Saddleback family of podcasts. Visit saddleback.com slash podcasts or search for Saddleback Church in your favorite podcasting app to see more great podcasts from Saddleback. For more weekend message resources, visit saddleback.com slash message resources.